Hello, and welcome to episode 42 of Man vs. Business. My name is Les James, and I'm here with my co-host, Sean McMenamin. This week, Sean and I are discussing total productive maintenance. So with that, let's go ahead and start the show. Sean, how are you doing? Good, Les. How are you doing tonight? I am doing fine. You know, the whole world is focused on uh, the election, and we're sitting here doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's going to be – life has to go on. Yes, life does have to go on, no and doubt. Life will, and life will go on tomorrow. You think? I think it will. I hope so. <laughs> I think it will. So, uh, so uh, it's important, but you know, just like just like everything uh, else that you do, it, it should be it should be important. It should mean something. So, yeah. whatever comes out of this should should mean something for the country. Well, yeah. definitely uh, record voting. So that's a good thing. Yeah, you know, a well, lot of people. That's worse. A lot yeah, of people getting out there and voting. So that's a good yeah. thing. Do it. Democracy at its best. Uh, Today, yes. Yes. Last year and a half, no. Yes, agreed. (laughs) So so we're working down our list, and uh, we are now at a point where we're going to talk about total productive maintenance, or TPM, uh, as it's called. And so I thought first thing we ought to do is just kind of talk about what what TPM is and kind of what it involves first and then maybe go into some examples and and how it's used and and why and things like that so i guess the first thing we ought to talk about is is what if what is it because a lot of people just say wasn't it just maintenance well (laughs) yeah i mean you know and and the problem is when people say well isn't it just maintenance the the thought behind it is Oh well, dang! That's that's a cost that I am preemptively occurring. Yeah. Uh, so, sorry, not occurring, incurring. Yes. Preemptively incurring, and so you know you have to convince people to spend the money in order to save money. And and I know in a lot of businesses and companies, you you have people that that can't think that far ahead, um, and and can't take that that understanding of what the return on investment is. And so you you really this is you really have to work. To, to prove that TPM is a valuable program. Right, and it, it does take, it, admittedly, it does take time for something like TPM to uh, actually have a return on investment, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, because you won't see it right off the bat. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess before we get into, you know, what you are going to see, why, why is it, let's discuss why it's different than just doing maintenance itself or just cleaning up a machine. And I think the the title of total productive maintenance kind of explains compl- explains it very well. You know, it's the maintenance part is in there, but the total and the productive are the two words that I want to focus on. And so, you know, let's kind of give some feedback to that. Um, well, yeah, and, and you can probably go into a little little more detail here when it when you talk about the total and and, and production um, you know, in my training, what I've gone through, uh, one of the, the uh, concepts was to focus on the three Z's, zero breakdowns, zero defects, zero accidents. So, so from that, from those three Z's, you, you um, have the safety aspect in, in the program. You have the defect aspect in the program. So the maintenance, maintenance should only should keep the, uh, the equipment up and running, but it also – TPM should make sure that the equipment is is not 
uh, creating defects in your product. So quality quality should be high. And then needless to say, you maintain the equipment to prevent breakdowns and slow down production. So one of the things that I think that people don't realize, and this is where the word total comes in, is you really should make sure that you get to the root of ensuring that the machine is functioning as well as it possibly can in all aspects. So that that includes uh, figuring out how to get rid of oil leaks or figuring out how to uh, where grime is coming from, where things that cause the machine not to function correctly. So you talk about safety. If the machine uh, is not working properly, then you potentially have an unsafe situation. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. the machine is constantly getting dirty, you know, due to oil leaks, due to, um, you know, uh, the equipment being bent or broken or, you know, being finagled together, um, then you're, like you said, you're not putting out quality parts. You could potentially have defects. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning of this, that's, that's where we were kind of talking about the return on the investment and where that, that return comes in. You're not going to see it right off the bat because really all you're going to see is the amount of time and money to get that machine elevated to a point where it's running as smoothly as it possibly can. Well, one of the, one of the things that I think is beneficial really in any, in any change program that you institute is to understand where you're starting from. So having information and data on breakdowns on, you know, some of the, some of the things that we've talked about already, whether, you know, it's changing oil or refilling oil in an oil leak or just wiping up oil, brining oil, you know, things, things that, that go into the, the, uh, operation of a piece of equipment Really, if you can capture that and understand how much that costs and how much time that takes to to keep it running, and then institute a TPM program where you're doing predictive and preventive maintenance, that's going to be a cost. Okay, so you need to weigh one cost against the other, but the outcome the outcome should be back to my three Z's of zero defects, zero accidents, and uh, Let's see what was the other thing. <laughs> zero break- breakdowns. Okay. Yes. Okay, zero breakdowns. Zero breakdown. Zero accidents. And what was the other one? Uh, zero defects. Zero defects. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So it all drives. It all drives to that. So the first the first uh, time that I uh, implemented a TPM activity uh, was during a a five S situation, and to me that seems like a great pay- place to kind of introduce the team to a TPM activity is when you're 5Sing, let's say, a section of the of the manufacturing plant or in or an area and you've got a piece of equipment in there. So we've got a piece of equipment that is a threading machine. And this threading machine had just shavings in it and you know all the parts were just thrown onto shelves below it and and uh, you know it was oily as can be. You know, you couldn't even tell what kind of machine it was because it was so dark with oil you know it didn't look like it had ever touched the life of a rag you know so so one of the things we talked about was okay let's just get this thing clean oh you know and of course during that that discussion you kind of get into the point of it's just going to get dirty again so yeah yeah you have to you have to kind of uh expect those comments because they're not going to see the longer picture, just like leadership doesn't see the longer return. You know, the guys on the shop floor are going to go, you know, hey, I use this machine 
every day, all day. How am I going to keep this thing clean? Well, we've got another piece of machinery across the other side of the room, a big horizontal saw. And this thing, holy cow. <laughs> so I have to, I have to tell this story. This is, this is pretty funny. So this horizontal saw has got two large wheels that the band of the saw goes around. Okay. Sure. When we opened the lids to those, to where that band resides, there was so much shaving in there. It looked like it was just a solid piece of metal where things turned and it was unbelievable digging out all of that shavings out in the inside. So that was one of the first ones we did. And that one was about uh, nine months ago. And we have been able to keep that machine clean and running. And it has a, a maintenance program now to it to where, you know, somebody is in charge of it. Somebody knows when the band gets changed out. And during the band change out, they know what to wipe down. They know how to keep the oil in it. Full, you know they they know how to do all the right things to make sure that that machine never gets back to where so it was. The question that I have is, do, do you know how often you were changing bands prior to finding? I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure if the band had ever had ever been changed. I think the only thing that was cutting metal was all those loose shavings just rolling around inside that thing. <laughs> and the band was just a flat piece of plate, you know, with no teeth on it going around in circles. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Forget it. There's, there's no hope there. You're starting from scratch. It's, it's ground zero. Ground yeah. zero. So ground zero is kind of easy to deal with. You know, yeah. um, but, but I guess what I was thinking is if if there was uh, a lot of resistance, the band got hot, the band lost its its teeth fast, and you were changing bands every two or three weeks. And now, if you're not changing bands, you know, but every every six months because it's it's, it's operating in a, a clean, lubricated environment, then then there's your payback. And I guess yeah. we'll just use pretend that that's what's happened. That that happened. Well, in we'll this as the example. Well, in this case, the 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 payback was the fact that it didn't take thirty minutes to cut through an, an angle. It took yeah. less than three. Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, literally, you know. So this is the change. It sounds like. Yeah. So this is one of those scenarios where the 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 blade just uses its own weight and counterweight to kind of float down as it's cutting. Well. Yeah. If there's no teeth on it and the oil is not clean, literally to go through a two-by-two angle, it was literally taking them 30 to 40 minutes to cut through that thing. And they were just kind of standing there waiting on it with no thought or reason or why. You know, I just assumed it always took 30 minutes. They never looked really at it, you know, to tell what was going on. Isn't that nuts? (laughs) So... So I think that the, that one's an example of kind of an easy win from a TPM standpoint. Mm-hmm. Now, I do think the one, the uh, threader that you know has the shavings on it, where anytime you thread, there's going to be shavings coming off yes. of that thing. And, and a lot of oil, you use oil as the, as the lubricant mm-hmm. coolant. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you know, how, do you, how do you maintain an environment or a tool that is constantly you know, uh, subjected to you know, that kind of situation? And in my mind, it's the difference between I'm gonna I'm gonna use my wife as an example here. Yeah, I could get in trouble for this, but oh well, she doesn't listen. So <laughs> I was afraid you were gonna say that she doesn't listen, which she should. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so it's the difference between co- when you're cooking, pulling everything out, 
and just doing all of your work and then at the end putting everything back as opposed to putting everything back as you're using it and as you're doing it. It's it's the difference between those two mentalities. You know, yes. and one is not necessarily better or worse than the other. It's just I believe that one is more efficient than the other. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the hard one to explain to people. So, when you're cutting on that threading machine and you're done, how long does it take you to just kind of wipe out the thre- you know, the shavings and put them in let's say you you put a nice little you know, garbage can or a barrel right there next to it. So you make it easy to wipe up and clean up, you know, and how hard is it just, it literally takes 30 seconds to a minute to wipe that thing down and and put it in. Think about it. They, and you know, go the whole way because then you, you would have to provide, make sure that there's a glove there. So nobody cuts himself on the shavings. There's a bin and that bin gets collected and stuff like that. But, But think about it. As you're, as you're threading, and if people that, list, that are listening understand, you know, a, a threading machine, basically you're, you're carving off, kind of like julienning, uh, if you're, if you're, <laughs> yes. you're, you're julienning a uh, you know, cucumber um, to create threads, eventually those threads would build up to then impede the location of the pipe that you put in the threading machine, right? So, right. so pretend nobody did anything, and now it's going to get to the point where the next guy comes to the machine and he goes to put the pipe in, and there's too many there's too many shavings there. He can't he can't get the pipe in without you know moving shavings around. So so let's not get to that spot with everybody taking care of the maintenance of the equipment on a periodic standard basis. Well, and let's take a, a little bit of a sidetrack topic here along that same lines. What does that process do to the mentality and the culture of the organization? If people aren't cleaning up after themselves, so to speak, you know, and you're leaving it for the next guy. Yeah, that's right. It's a bad, bad culture. It creates animosity. It creates, you know, he didn't, she didn't, you know, point fingers going like this. Right. The broken window syndrome. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, explain the broken window philosophy because I have heard this. Yeah, the broken window philosophy that, you know, if, if you have one neighbor in the, in the neighborhood that allows their broken window to remain broken and not fix it, well, then there'll be another window that gets broken. And then that person thinks, well, the other guy didn't fix his window. I'm not going to fix my window. And next thing you know, you've got a whole neighborhood of broken windows, broken down porches, cars up on blocks. Yeah. And uh, it just deteriorates. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, and, I, and I, I always go back. I used to work in New York City. Uh, back in the day of Ed Koch, um, and and he did he did a good job, but but he worked he worked towards getting rid of him and, and Mayor Giuliani, and there was a mayor in between that, that didn't do such a good job, but they did a good job of knocking out the little crimes, the, the loud the loud boomboxes, the uh, panhandlers, things things that things that were the little crimes, and wouldn't you know, the larger crimes were reduced, yeah, because you didn't allow that that the element of criminal to do the the little crimes where the larger crimes then seemed more um easy they were they were easy to do because everybody was committing crimes now it was just a matter of you know i shouldn't say everyone i hate that term everyone there were a lot there were a lot of crimes happening you know i can get away with it because there's so many happening so if you knock out the little guys you're going to prevent the big guys i I truly believe that well and let's make sure everybody understands that 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 broken window uh, was actually a, a research study done by yes. somebody 
Um, you can go online and look it up, of course. But um, it uh, was actually a study that was performed by an independent person and, and kind of proved the, the philosophy of, you know, if you're going to – I'm trying to think of the other adage that goes with this. You know, if you're going to, you know, act like a caveman and, you know, keep your area dirty and nasty, then you know, it's going to kind of branch out and the whole place is going to be that way. I, you know, I don't know what the saying – there's a saying that goes along with that. But um, right. but So here, I, I looked it up real quickly, the broken window theory. It's an academic theory proposed by James Q. Wilson and George Kelling in 1982. Yeah. Broken window is a metaphor for disorder within neighborhoods. There you so, go. So, yeah, let's just – you know, we can just go back to our, our, uh, our topic here. Disorder, disorder in the neighborhood, any kind of disorder creates further disorder in your work environment. Let's just put it that way. It, it expands and extrapolates. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, so go ahead. What were you going to say? So I was just going to say, back to the TPM. Yes. So I think um, a, another thing that we should probably touch on on the, T, on the TPM activity is um, how do you get people in the rhythm of doing this constantly. And I know that it's, I brought up a minute ago that introducing it during your five S is a, is a good, good start, but how do you get into the whole, um, uh, maintenance of the program, keeping it going and making sure that it doesn't, it doesn't fall off. And I think that that's where standard work comes into place. And I know that our next, I believe it's our next podcast. We're going to get into standard work. I think that's the next topic. So, but I think we can touch on it here for just a second. Is that standard work? One of the easiest things to do is create a checklist, you know, and making a sign ownership, create a checklist, and create a schedule. If you've got those three things, then you've got the ability to make sure you've got something in place to control keeping it up and not allowing it to fall back into chaos. Well, my experience is uh, back when I was in the service, when I was in the Navy. We had we had a maintenance program, and it was basically cards that were scheduled on a periodic basis. You had maintenance for the equipment that you were responsible for. I was an electrician, so so any electrical equipment, I was responsible, and my team was responsible for doing maintenance on certain items. Some items had maintenance each week. Some items had maintenance each day. Some items didn't have maintenance, you know, just once a quarter. Yeah. So putting put, putting some. Forethought and what's my favorite word of this podcast series? Planning. <laughs> you put some planning together and say, okay, well, let's look at all the pieces of equipment we have. How often should there be maintenance and what kind of maintenance should there be? So, right. I mean, that's something that, that you know, the leader of an, of an organization, of an area can really roll out and say, you know what, if I believe in TPM and invest a little bit, Often enough to prevent the big problems from happening, I'm going to be better in the long run. That's what that's that's the kind of person that you need. And and if they're going to do that and believe in that philosophy, then setting up a program that shows what has to be done. So, for example, our forklifts and our cranes in the in the plant every day there are checks on the forklifts and cranes for safety and operational checks. Yeah. Okay. So build a maintenance program. That does the same thing for your equipment. Now it doesn't have to be every day. It could be just every time it's used. Like a, a well, a strap. A strap gets looked at every day, but then again, it gets looked at before it gets used. 
But you've got, the but cream. you do have to give ownership to that because if you don't, it'll get it'll be a hot potato, right? Right. But you, as the leader of of the the quality program and and lean implementation, needs to, you know, of course, with other people, work to develop the program, right? Yeah. Develop the program and then give give ownership to the to the right people. I mean, you don't have one person doing all the maintenance. You have the right people doing the right maintenance. Yeah, use the Boy Scout motto of, you know, many hands make light work. Exactly. That <laughs> works. There you yeah. go. So here's, here's something uh, possibly a little bit uh, controversial, and we'll see where this, this question leads us, and that is the fact of should you be measuring all of your TPM activity? And before you say anything, you see the smile on my face? I do. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say no, and, and here's why. So let me give you the why. I knew this one would be controversial. Between you and me anyway. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and my reasoning behind this is, one, I think that we as um, leaders and quality personnel and all that kind of stuff have a tendency to want to measure everything under the sun. And so if you realize the that – the TPM has value no matter what, and you just should do it. Should you measure it to prove it? Well, I, so do you see I, what I'm I, at least I'm saying? saying? Okay, yes, so I, now, I so point counterpoint. Go. Jade, <laughs> you ignorant. <laughs> Sorry, that's old people that watch Saturday Night Live. Yes. Um, I, I hear, I hear what you're saying, but the thing is, my basis for measuring things is to is to get an indication of where to spend more time okay I, it's me to me I measure things so that I understand what's in, what what needs help and what is doing okay okay so yes and you and I talked before the beginning of this podcast I was like yes this is this is something that that you can measure there are calculations you multiply <laughs> numbers together and that's why I said all that. <laughs> and, and, and that makes me very excited. You know, I, can, I can put it on a spreadsheet and, and derive and use a formula to calculate a number. Because the thing is, well, so I'm so I'm playing devil's advocate a little yes, bit here as to why I'm saying that. Because because if you spend all your time measuring stuff, I kind of think of our environments, especially uh, the opportunities to work on things, is almost like water coming out of a hydrant. It's that much. So if you have to be very careful about where you spend your time, is TPM one of those areas that once you get going, should you worry about it? You know, because I, I have so many other areas that could benefit so much more to my time and to quality initiatives and to measuring and all that kind of stuff. Okay. The, the other thing, remember, I'm a words guy. So you say so much more. How do you know it's more? The only way you have more is if you've measured something and something is more than the less. So that's. <laughs> So, so, yeah. So to me, that's it's the deltas. Yeah. I, I don't. You know, whenever I measure things, I measure to collect a number. I don't measure and see something that's maybe, you know, seventy percent. Well, that's just above passing, whatever it means. And everybody's in everybody's mind, you know, seventy percent is, is just above passing. I don't measure that. I measure okay if we're seventy percent now, and we 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 do something to make a change, and now we're seventy two percent. That's a good thing. Yeah. Okay. Now you always have to measure getting from seventy to seventy-two percent. Is that as good as getting from ninety to ninety-eight percent? It all depends on what the the weight is of what you're measuring. So okay. you have to take that into consideration. So let me take this one step further 
and, and say, would it be wise then for you not to measure it and to get the people involved in the process to be the ones measuring it and report back to you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the numbers, the numbers have to be to me, anything that, that gets measured in a lean process have to be an outcome of the process, not an extra process, not not an extra burden. Agreed. But you and I both know that that's easy to say, hard to do. Yeah. OK, so so because it always takes time. It's just a matter of how much time in, in my you know, in my training, we talk, we talk about, you know, six big losses that okay. can happen. I mean, have you heard it? Is, yeah. it, is it the same? Yeah. Okay, across, right? So you have the six big losses. And and the, the equipment failures, set up an adjustment, idling, reduced speed, right. defects, and reduced yield. Those are those are the six processes, okay? So those those um, those losses or those those items that could cause loss are being managed. They're always being managed. So it's a matter of how that 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 information, that data is being collected and then turned into information. Right. Right. So so yeah the 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 effort and and again I, I can't I can't preach lean processes and then and then add cumbersome extra steps to collect data. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So so you know I'm not I'm not a hypocrite and I'm not ignorant in that in in, in, in that. Area, I, I understand what I'm saying, but I was trying to trap you there a little bit. Well, well, that's, that's why. I, I, hopefully, I can keep track of this thing so that uh, you know I don't stick myself in a corner. Um, th- that, that's why I always say the data has to be an outcome of of the process and the activity. Yeah. So, and and am I collecting and and um, doing the calculation? To me, the data gets loaded in a spreadsheet. Um, whether it's a clerical activity, whether it's a person on the site activity, somehow that data has to be collected in the most efficient way. And then you look at the number, you look right. at what, what you're doing and then compare from period to period, what have you done? And the, the, the report card is whatever your effectiveness is, your overall effectiveness, which is availability. Because the thing is, if, if you don't have product going out, you, what, what are you going to blame it on? What right. Do you, what do you? Where, where's the root cause? How do you find the root cause? Yeah. And if and and in the relation of your overall effectiveness, if availability is the low number, if performance efficiency is the low number, or if quality is the low number, at least then you've got some place to go look. You yeah. know where to go look because you've been tracking numbers. Yeah. So let me uh, come back down off my high horse here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and say that um, I think that what you what you really need to do is you need to measure what's important. So depending on what you're doing at the time, there's nothing wrong with with measuring that stuff. There's nothing wrong with with getting people engaged and supporting the measurement. I think the key to what you said a second ago was the fact that making sure that you're not you're not adding to the process that you keep the lean ideas in mind. And also, once you get it going, move on to the next thing. Let, let you know, you may need to turn that into some sort of spot check, but move on to the next thing. Don't, don't accumulate metrics. That is one of the biggest killers to me. Accumulation of metrics. That, and that may need to be a topic unto itself. Uh, but that one, I have literally been in environments where we've taken tours or, you know, we've uh, gone and looked at an environment and they've got... 50, 60 metrics 
and they take you know a week to set up their whole metrics each week, you know, and yeah. and review them. And I I think that that's so counterproductive. It's the force through the trees syndrome. You know, mm-hmm. you're missing the force through the trees. What are you What are you really trying to do? So, I think that was the only reason why I was swinging to one far in, extreme end. But I am coming back a little bit. So, <laughs> and, and I will say one of the things that you always have to do is that if if you have people working on a, a lean program like TPM, you have to show that their efforts are worthwhile. You, you always do. You cannot forget about it. You cannot have a a program of the week. You know, a program program du jour. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Right. So, so how do you show that what they're doing is worthwhile? You generate some kind of chart. You generate some kind of you know data. Right. And so, so yes, what you're doing is good. Keep it up. We need that. Well, and I will say that you know some of the certifications you get into are going to require some of the measurements. You know, uh, it, you know, it requires you to measure your quality objectives. It requires you to measure your key processes, you know, so you do have to track some things just if you're getting into, you know, an ISO 9001 or an AS9100 or, you know, whatever, you're going to have to track things. But again, the goal is not to accumulate as many metrics as possible, but (laughs) kind of, I think we kind of diverted there a little bit. So I think, uh, yeah. Um, why don't we go ahead and end right here? I think the, the in summary, I think that one, doing total productive maintenance in your environment is key. It, uh, to me, it's an, just another one of those key foundational tools to a lean environment. And uh, I think that the sooner you get that folded into your culture, the better and the quicker you'll reap the rewards of, of an environment that is just got what you mentioned a minute ago, safety defects. And, and what was the third quality. one? Quality. quality. Yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. that's kind of how I would summarize the TPM. What about you? Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's uh, it's a early investment in long-term gains. Yeah. Um, you know, just hit the, I believe button right there. Um, because you will, it'll prove out, you know, I'm sure of it. Um, and the thing is, it is a nice banner. As a as a leader of, of an organization that just like you said, people don't want to wipe the oil off the, of the machine because it's just going to get greasy again. You can you come in with the banner of TPM Total Productive Maintenance. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is the program that we are going to to drive under. It's not just hey, I want this washed because you know I think you you, you know your time is better spent washing equipment. No, it's part of the maintenance process which will yield benefits in the future. So, uh, you know, I like the idea of having, of having a proven program to lean on when you're, yeah, not necessarily pitching, but you're, when you're leading a group of people that may, may not understand what the big picture is. So, um, we'll go ahead and wrap up this show for this week. We, uh, hope you all enjoy it and we will talk to everyone next week. Thank no, you. No, no, uh, Oh, no prediction? I w- no, no prediction. I <laughs> my head looking for a pick of the week. No, I didn't have a pick of the week. Go ahead. So that's why. <laughs> yeah, I think I – well, here I will. I'll, I'll toss it out there. I used the pick um, uh, M-Secure a couple weeks ago. Yes. Last week, I don't know. I don't uh-huh. know what it was. A couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago. And um, there's, a, there's another program that's really cool called Dash. Hold on a second. Let me just, let me just get it. It's, it's called uh, Dash Lane. 
oh. Dashlane. Uh, you you got to pay for it. You get it free for 30 days, but then you have to pay for it. But it is a, uh, a program where it will have all of your passwords and logins. So if you if you log into whatever, your bank accounts, your airline to book flights, uh, car rentals, and everything like that, you go to that website first. It saves all of your, your uh, passwords and logins. And then so basically you use it as a portal. You go through it to American Airlines or Southwest Airlines or whatever, and it logs you in automatically. Wow. And it has all your information. So it's pretty Which, nice. A little nerve-wracking. It's nerve-wracking? <laughs> no, I, I don't know. <laughs> Well, thank you for uh, for that pick of the week. I do not have a pick of the week, so I, I should have asked you. I apologize for that. <laughs> anyway, so... Education is key. Yes. With, with that, we'll go ahead and end the show, and I hope everybody enjoyed it, and we will look forward to talking to everybody next week. Thank you, and have a good day. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Man vs. Business. Please note that neither Sean nor myself are business consultants. We just have a strong passion for discussing all things business. Please remember to visit sigmatree.co to see our other podcasts, our business ventures, and our blog. And by the way, you can also drop us a line from the message page. Again, thank you and have a good week.